All right, so episode <coughs> 18, 18 of the All Around Podcast, talking film and television, screencast edition. Uh, watch anything recently, Dad? Um, I saw the episode of The Boys. Oh, okay, um, so you're caught up. It, well, I did not see the one from a couple days ago. I uh, have not seen anything in, over the weekend just because I was traveling a bit to see your brother and all. So. Well, I saw Enola Holmes. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty shocked. Um, Why? Because like it, it was like entertaining like all the way through. And like halfway through, it takes this turn. And the movie actually gets like more, gets like better. Like usually after the first hour, that's when things start to go downhill, especially for a lot of Netflix original movies. And it actually gets better. I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Does by, it stop? Uh, does it stop being? Um, does no, it start she, looks, she being... talks to the camera uh, through throughout the whole movie. Like she does. Oh, okay. So I was going to ask: Does it sort of become a more traditional mystery sort of movie? And it stops. I mean, like, it still is a pretty traditional movie, but I will say, like, for all the the you know sly winks or whatever, it like because uh, what's his face, Burn Gorman, the dude who is mm-hmm. in Game of Thrones. You know who I'm talking about? Which who in Game of Thrones? I mean, he played. Um, there's a couple people in Game of Thrones. Well, so. no, but like he was in Game of Thrones, but he played one of the scientists in Pacific Rim, not Charlie Day, but the British dude, the other guy. Oh uh, yes, he was in uh, Craston's Keep. He was one of those d bags. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So like he's in it, and he plays like this tracker guy who's tracking uh, Enola and um, uh, Lord Tewksbury or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he like some dark stuff happens. Like he tries to like drown her in one scene, and like it, like so. I think that helps kind of balance out all of her little like cutesy crap witticisms. Yeah. That she actually gets in like serious like danger. Um, but uh, yeah, it was I, it was pretty good. Uh, also saw hard kill which is one of these bruce willis directed video zero percent on rotten tomatoes joints <laughs> on purpose well i'll get into it why i saw it this weekend but i was i was at mom's and it wasn't exactly up to me um were you able to make the best were you able to make the best of it by just turning it into a hate watch during the last or... like 70 percent, yeah because <laughs> The Which other person, the, movie. the other person there that wanted to see it, basically even said this movie's terrible. So then we went all in. Uh, yeah, and it's all—it's so bad. Like it makes it makes Alex Cross look like uh, look like John Wick. Like it is, it is bad. It is really bad. But is it is it bad because it it thinks it's really serious and it's yes, so not self aware of how bad like. Remember John Tucker Must Die? Do you remember that movie? Vaguely, yes. Remember the main main guy, Jesse Metcalf, the main actor? Yeah, the tall he's, dude. Yeah, he's like he's like the main guy in it. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Willis really isn't in it all that much. Uh, but like it all takes place in this it looks like they were in this abandoned building in like Russia. Like in one of these like cities close to Chernobyl or something and it's just like, "Oh yeah, this building doesn't like there, it all takes place there. They talk about this like 
technology that would have revolutionized the world, Project 725. You know, it would have made our government more efficient, the economy more efficient. Da, da, da. But, like, they don't say what it does. It's just this thing. Communism. And it's like, and it's, like it's so bad. Like, it is... It, I can't believe how... I could not believe how bad it was. One of the girls is, like, this girl that... She's, like, a professional wrestler. She's part of, like, this mercenary team. She can't act. Nobody can act in it, including Bruce Willis. Like, it's just... It's so it's, bad. So, is Bruce Willis... You know, is he just getting... Is he turning into, like, John Carradine? Well, but, like, John... Yeah, I mean, an older reference is John Carradine, but just... Hey, I'm just doing it for the checks, man. I I got work coming. I'll get my fast 350 grand to do two weeks worth of work. It's it's all good. And and if that his, thing took two weeks. That that was well, his, twelve days too long. Okay, but but all I'm saying is, is that really where he's at? I mean, obviously he's not leading a movie anymore. I mean, but well, but he's still right. able to. Okay, but but he's still able to do performances that are fine. Okay, I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, Looper's I, I been only know. 10 years. Looper's like it, it, almost it, 10 years old now at this point. Well, and yeah, Red, Red is 10 years old. Red, oh, he didn't he did glass. Oh, Red, no, came, Red came out in 2010. But, um, but is he just, no, he's just getting work, and that's kind of it. Nick Cage, though, is almost cartoonish because I think Nick Cage is crazy. I mean, I mean, he is kind of. Did you see his interview where some woman asked him, it's like, do you ever feel like you're going kind of like over the top, kind of like over, uh, over the line, maybe a little bit. He's like, listen, I established the line. All right. So (laughs) whoever's going to know where the line is, it's going to be me. And I'll let you know when I go past it or whatever. Like he literally responds. It's like, Jesus Christ. Like I said, but he's going to be in some movie called the unbearable weight of massive talent. And I think it's going to be a total like. Oh my God! No, wait, wait. Parody is that being John Malkovich? Is it going to be like that? I where... think so. It's going okay. to be similar to that, and I think it's going to be this entire <laughs> self-parody. Of him, but... Okay, but that could be amazing. Yeah, it could, could be, be amazingly great. great. Yeah. It could be amazingly awful, but great. I mean, there are so many ways it could be just an incredible watch. But all, all being said, it's likely not. Good air quotes, good. But just to see Nick Cage be so far up his own ass is just worth that watch. But uh, you know, but like I think he understands the ridiculousness of his career right now. I mean, he had that thing on Saturday Night Live talking about Ghost Rider two, and where he had. I mean, he totally just took shots at himself. So I, I think he understands. I think he's just leaning into every part of it. Now. He did, but anyways, he, did a, he did a movie called Bangkok Dangerous. Yeah, and supposedly that was like okay. Like or no, Drive Angry was the one that was like okay. Bangkok Dangerous is probably terrible. And what was the one where he, him and uh uh dude who played Hellboy are in like a night or nights or something like that. That's another sort of piece of garbage. Oh, the la- uh <laughs> the witch one, the witch wasn't it called like witch something? I, um, I, I, season I don't of the witch. Season, season of, the, of witch. the witch. But but here's the deal. You think to yourself, oh, Nick Cage and Ron Perlman are gonna do this movie, and they're it's nights and stuff like that. You're thinking, okay, this could be fun. This could be bad fun. 
you know, it could, it could good, be uh, good garbage. The, good yeah, garbage. The thing you called Kong Skull Island. Kong Skull Island is really well, well, well done, done trash. Yeah. Trash. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I'm like, though, though I'd say that um, uh, Steve Rule, fuck, what's his name? Um, John C. Riley. John C. Riley actually brought a layer of. Oh my God, he was am- he was amazing. He he, he he brought he brought like okay, this made it almost good because no, of his like, performance. First of all, I think Kongsville Island is fine. I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. It's fine. No, but but, but John C. Riley almost brought is, it up beyond fine. I mean, he was yeah. Well, you know. the thing with John C. Riley is he was an actual like human being in that movie. Like he was a person. You mean you he know, wasn't not an anti-war photographer? You yeah, mean, that Larson was the anti-war photographer. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston is the mercenary who has this checkered past, and he's always oh, actually a good guy. And Samuel Jackson is the man is king. Yeah, That's all yeah, is, yeah, yeah. You know, but, everyone um, was a cartoon except oddly enough. The Ben Gunn character, the Ben Gunn character, who is left on the island and is kind of crazy, but the kind of crazy guy is essentially real. Um, yeah, exactly. Are the realest well, person? He talks in- about he talks about the Cubs because he's a big Cubs fan. He's like, you know, is the war over? Oh, I have a son. I have this woman, and I, is she still alive? Da, da, da. And then they have that little code. The, the, the thing at the end actually, that's very nice. Yeah, that's actually uh, it, it is it is an actual sincere moment. <laughs> But but hopping back, if you think like Nick Cage, Ron Perlman, with some sort of Knight's Tale thing, and you're like, okay, this could be our no, it's it's seven percent on Ron. It's awfully, it's awful, it's awful. It's really bad. You know. Anyway, anyway. Um. So to the news, and I figure, what better place to start than with the gods? Uh. So. Universal bought this uh, stuntman drama from um, David Leach, who we talked about last week, who directed Deadpool, co-directed the first John Wick. He directed Hobbs and Shaw. He directed Atomic Blonde. He's basically known for watching, uh, not watching, for directing these rather lean, even though Deadpool and Hobbs and Shaw are pretty big budget, but lean, like 100-minute, Action film, but did they buy it? Gotten... Did they buy it or Universal's first rights because they have the first look deal with them? That's no, it. no, no, they bought it. Uh, they, they so bought they beat it. out okay. Netflix, Paramount, MGM, seven figure deal. Uh, Drew Pierce, who co wrote Iron Man 3, co wrote uh, Mission Impossible 5 Rogue Nation. Oh, no, he did the story for Mission Impossible 5 Rogue Nation, which is my favorite Mission Impossible. I liked it more than Fallout, although Fallout is really good, but I liked Rogue Nation um, better. Uh, he did Hotel Artemis, which he also directed. Which I, yeah. I want to see that because yeah. it's like a cult. It's like it's, a culty. Uh, it's I've seen it. It's not very good. So okay. So anyways, and I, I mean, uh, I mean, when you hear when, when you hear the conceit of what um, Hotel Artemis is, you're like, okay, and it it is sort of leaning into that. Um, it's leaning into John Wick hard. It's got a well, John yeah, Wick but, sort of conceptual yeah. vibe to it. It ain't John Wick. Um, well, right. Well, and then I remember seeing the previews and seeing Jodie Foster's cartoonish accent. Uh, but you know but what? Also, the fact that Jodie Foster attached herself to the project says, okay, her filter is usually decent enough, and not that everything that she makes is great. But uh, Money she, Monster. Okay. Oh, no, no. But I mean, she did. Um, wasn't she in? What was the Spike oh, Lee? She directed Money Monster, but but what was the Spike Lee Inside Man? She was in that, and that was good. 
I mean, she's been in some decent movies. She is selective. So yes. So I'm thinking, okay, this thing is not going to be terrible. And it just it just wasn't. All those people attached themselves to it because the script, and maybe it just wasn't directed very well. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But so I think this is, and also I think like what Hotel Artemis might have been to John Wick is the same thing with like Bad Times at the El Royale is to basically any Quentin Tarantino movie almost like. Bad Times of the El Royale is okay, it's fine, but it's it is so like this is a Quentin Tarantino movie not directed by Quentin Tarantino, and you can tell. And and that so, was and that was done a lot after Pulp Fiction, where everyone was making their version of that. I mean, every, everyone's tried to at some points in time make their Tarantino movie with obviously different levels of success coming from it. Yeah. So. Um, so I've I've read I've read 125 million dollar budget is what they're throwing on this. So um, I think it's it, it well I think it could be like really good because David Leach like this was his life for you know 15 to 20 years like he was basically Brad Pitt's shadow and on and, film and, and Brad Pitt played what on Once Upon exactly. a Time in Hollywood so, sort and, of and like the other thing. The whole life of, of a stuntman kind of grew after that movie came out. Once upon a time in Hollywood. So um, I, I wonder: is this this is is this going to be a um, um, what do you call it? A period piece? I I don't think so. I think it's going to be you know relatively modern day. But I think that it I got. I don't. I wonder if. Ryan Gosling has almost this weird interest in stuntmen, seeing that he played a stuntman in Drive and he played another right. one in The Place Beyond the Pines. Right. Also, there was he's producing with his company, 87 North, along with another company, and I love this name, Entertainment 360, because <laughs> it reminds me of uh, Pulp Fiction. Oh, not Pulp Fiction, Parks Pulp and Rec. Fiction. Parks and Rec. Pulp Fiction. Parks and Rec. Yeah, Recreation. I was going to say. Parks and Recreation. Parks and Recreation with Entertainment 720. 720 uh, uh, exactly right yeah because they're willing to go around the world twice to meet their customers need that that's the whole point so but i think it'll be i think it could be like yeah it could be one of those genre movies that gets like the minor awards buzz like oh sound editing film editing mixing maybe it gets nominated for like one major one of the big five like a like a screenplay or something just because I think that with David Leach's, because I know Drew Pierce is writing it, but I'm sure David Leach is in his ear, like about what stuff needs to look at, look like. Gosling is, I mean, really talented, high A-list guy. I mean, there's a reason why he attached himself to the project. So, well, he's got, he's doing something with Lord and Miller, right? And he's doing something with the Russos, guys. I mean, he's, yeah, he's got a lot doing, going on. Yeah. I mean, so hot right now uh but <laughs> gosling it, yeah he's doing the thing with chris evans with the russos uh what's he doing with lord and miller uh, uh i don't know i know he's attached to something with him give me a second here uh, oh ash the the he's doing the the um the movie based on the book by the guy who did the martian what's it called um, it's another astronaut movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought he was done with doing astronaut movies after First Man. What's up? Uh, I don't know. First Man um, hype machine. Uh, first hype machine for First Man was pretty serious, and it was like, yeah. 
It's okay. cold. It's a cold movie. You know, that's cold movies don't win. Um, it's fine. It's fine. But, you know, you compare it to Damien Chazelle's other movies, although they're very different, with La La Land and Whiplash, um, it's just not as good. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that. But he's like, David Leach still has to shoot the Bullet Train movie with Brad Pitt first. So that's not, this movie's not coming out to like 2023. Probably. Yeah, no, 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 no. But I, I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested in that. I mean, this, this is, Glad it went to Universal and not Netflix. Thank God. <laughs> like um, every like everything else seemingly, but yeah, it should, you know. But speaking of Netflix, yes, Netflix lands Jake Gyllenhaal, Antoine Fuqua packaged the guilty in thirty million dollar deal. This sounds right up Netflix's alley. Th- th- this Antoine is this Fuqua. is a perfect movie for our time. Uh, because of the. The, premise, the, the, or you're the, saying the, the the premise, the premise. Yeah, you, well, you of... know what it sounds like. It sounds like that movie, The Call, with Halle Berry by WWE Films. That's what it sounds like. Yes, but this takes ends... place. Hold on, takes place over the course of a single morning in a nine one one dispatch call center. Call operator Joe Baylor tries to save a caller in grave danger, but he soon discovers that nothing is as it seems, and facing the truth is the only way out. <laughs> Yeah, and so so this was based on a Danish movie. Yeah, um, it's very cheese in that Danish. Um, uh, anyway, there you go. Um, old but Family Guy reference. Very old Family Guy reference. Um, it was a Danish movie that um, it sort of talks about. Um, this is a cop who has been um, like sort of. He's fighting for credibility, and he was put on the nine one one, and he, he sees it as his opportunity to, you know, become someone again. But he's a little quick to prejudge things, and this is a perfect movie of our time about cops being, you know, you know, um, judgmental and making assumptions about situations. And doing things that, um, you know, are are likely incorrect or wrong, um, in this case for their own benefit. So it's like, oh yeah, no, th- this is this is a 2020 movie that's going to get a lot of chops. I mean, it's going to get a lot of play. I mean, I this movie is supposed to be the Dutch movie that came out a couple of years back. Supposed to be great. I mean, it's supposed to be fantastic. Danish, Danish. I'm sorry, Danish, Danish. I'm I'm off by about 122 miles. My bad. Um, sorry, apologize to our Dutch listeners and Danish listeners. And Danish listeners, yes, yes. We do have listeners in Ireland. Okay, so we do. I'm, I'm not. I'm not joking. Yeah, less than like when I look at the analytics, it's like Ireland, Ger- and Germany. Like, well, they get. Thank you, thank you, um, friends. Um, really appreciate your support from over there. I'm concerned that, um, you know, that we're going to piss off the people in um, Denmark. Um, you know. Yeah, if we have any listeners there, but but we'll, we'll eventually get there. So yeah, uh, I I'm not a bit I'm not a fan at all of Antoine Fuqua. I don't think he's a very good director. Um, like so, you just run you run through his other than Training Day. Which is good. It's good, but I think people people like Denzel Washington's performance more than they like the movie Training Day. Right. So there's 
There's Train Day, Tears of the Sun, King Arthur, Shooter, Brooklyn's Finest, Olympus Has Fallen, The Equalizer, Southpaw, Magnificent Seven, Equalizer 2. Like, I'm, um, I'm not turning any of those on today to be like, ooh, I can't wait to, like, I haven't seen this in a while. Yeah, but 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 here's the deal. This, the okay, the Danish movie that was made was had a $500,000 budget. Um, mm-hmm. And it made, what, three and a half million bucks from what I saw out there mm-hmm. and it's essentially it th- this is this is sort of probably not dissimilar to that tom hardy movie where he's just in the car talking on the cell phone where all the drama uh, plays Locke? out yes. yeah but Locke was made by stephen knight who no eastern promises no but 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 here's what i'm saying Th- this was a five hundred thousand dollar budget because it was all shot essentially in one room or one building there were no sets there were no nothing my impression is this is probably going to be similar in the way it was shot. It got sold to Netflix for 30 million bucks. I have a feeling this thing was made for under 10. They made good money. I mean, they, mm-hmm. this, they made money on this. Fook was doing it. Obviously, you know, he's taking material. It's not like he has to craft this material himself. Frankly, he just has to not screw it up. Okay. Now, I'm not, and I'm not saying, not okay, okay, okay. But, but you know what? When it was just done for you two years ago and it's staring you in the face, all you got to do is not screw it up. And obviously, this Dylan. was a guy <laughs> who couldn't do an hour and 40 minute Magnificent Seven justice, okay? It's not going to happen. Well, but that happen. was now Jalen Hall. Now Jake Jalen Hall is going to be doing his thing. He's a really talented actor, and I thought Southpaw would have been good because it was Jake Jalen Hall. And guess what? Southpaw is not very good. And now part of that is because they gave away the entire story in the trailer, but that movie is still so up its own ass. It's just eh. it, no, I don't trust him. And I, I knew that's what you were going to say. It's like, oh, well, it's all right there. He couldn't do Magnificent Seven, and I'm not saying he. I'm not saying he couldn't do Magnificent Seven to the level of the original Magnificent Seven. He couldn't even give a seven out of ten for Magnificent Seven. So, like, that's all I'm I, 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 yeah, I, I don't want to get into the Magnificent Seven and why I think the remake. It's shit. Is so, yeah, I mean, it, it it did not need to be remade. I mean, frankly, this is like multiplicity. It's a remake of a remake of a remake. They didn't need to well, make it's it. Just, it's just the Magnificent like, Seven was fine, and that was a remake of the Seven Samurai. They didn't need to do it again. Doing his his stuff, you know, he's like this big, like he's almost like this like bear, and then he big cuddly bear, and then he fights. It's like oh, he's like a brute. It's like shocker. I wasn't expecting that, right? You know, and he, right. he talks with this like squeaky little voice, so you get to see him do his little artsy method thing, and it's like okay, whatever, but. The thing, how they sh- and I'm like I'm give me like a minute here, but the how they shot how they shot Denzel Washington in that movie. Denzel Washington is a sixty is a sixty five year old man. Did he play okay. the Yul- did he play the Yul Brenner role? Yes, the book man of black. Was, yeah, yeah, okay. But it's like he's doing all these horse stunts and the way they shoot around him and all these quick cuts. It's like I know that's not him. I know that's not him. That's some stunt man doing all that crap. But anyways, um, but also, also Denzel Washington and Antoine Fuqua's movies is basically Superman. So, all right, go ahead. I think that I would be much more interested to see um, the guilty, the, the Danish version here. My, um, my concern is this version is going to be sort of, um, uh, this is going to be PC'd up. Um, for 2020 or 2021, 
It's going it, to, yeah. I'm not going to say it's going to be a slam on the police, but it's going to turn into, there's going to be a lot of talk about racism and whatever. And here's what's wrong with society when, um, it, when this is less about from my appearance, what is wrong with the way the police operate in society than it is a character study of the individual who is trying to become someone and what he personally is going to do in order right. to get over whatever issues he has personally, professionally. Um, if they keep it small like that, where it's more of a internal character drama, I think that would have some, I mean, to me, it would have some appeal, but if they turn it into less about that, because that's the thing, this Danish movie appears, I haven't seen it to be all about this guy that fighting the battle to prove himself. And yes, there might be something about, okay, then the nature of the police department after that, but it's much more internal, personal, you know, it's a small movie. And you're if asking the guy who made Olympus has fallen to make a small personal movie. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. But, um, you know, it's Olympus has fallen. It's so nuanced and so special. <laughs> It's so nuanced. You know, what were you doing? Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm sure when, you know, Aaron Eckhart signed on, he's like, you know, with the character, like, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, anyway. You know, playing the president of the United States, it's such an honor. And, uh, you know, whatever. So, but, um, but what's also cool about this is this is very sort of – this has touches the, the, the Danish movie. I'll get it right. I won't say Dutch. This is sort of got touches like the conversation, you know, yeah. and, and that movie in there and conversation is fucking great. But <laughs> I still need to see it. It is. It is. Great. I know the premise, but it, it is G- but like Gene Hackman. Like it, you know, it is such an understated thing for Gene Hackman. Um, and, and it's 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 really good. And I, I think honing in on the smallness of that. And conversation talked a lot about paranoia and stuff like that. And, and I think some of that are aspects of this. If they keep it small like that, man, it, man, yeah. it, it could be good. I am just scared shitless. Well, it's going to turn I, into. I feel like a, the only. Yeah, it's going to justice move. I'm going to like. It's going to turn into a racial music, justice movie. The music of just like. Blah, 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 blah. And then they're going to have this cameras like scant 360 around Jake Gyllenhaal as he has a headset on. He's like. What you got to do is, and all that crap. Yeah, like that's what it's gonna turn into. Yeah. But unless Gyllenhaal kind of goes up to Fuqua, is like, listen here, motherfucker. All right, I'm gonna do my thing. You set the camera there and get out of the way, well, or the writer or whatever. And, like that's what needs to happen. And and here's the deal: the call with Halle Berry, from what I understand, it's actually not terrible. It's okay, right? It's not terrible, but it's not good. It's still bad. It's just not. It's not. It's not hard kill with Bruce Willis and Jesse. <laughs> well, well, you know, s- some movies can only hope to attain the levels <laughs> that hard kill. I mean, like, yeah, no, like, I'm not. I'm just. This isn't going to be good. It just isn't. And the only good things that will come from it is it's going to be one of those movies you go, despite mixed reviews, Jake Gyllenhaal's performance was praised. Well, no shit. He's a great actor, you know? This, this also speaks to, there ain't nothing new on Hollywood anymore. But I'm sure we'll beat that yeah, to death. Yeah, true. Yeah. So next up, talk, I, I feel like we talk about HBO Max a lot here because HBO Max has less than like 7 million subscribers. 
And I know it came out in May, I know, but still. Yeah, but hold on, hold on. Uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. So how are they calculating that? Because HBO has more than I don't seven. know. I See, don't, HBO's got to have more than 7 million subscribers. HBO in general, yes, but HBO, I don't know how they calculate it. I guess when it was released, it was like 4.1 million. I don't know. I got to... From what I from the stories I've seen, they say it has like less than 10 million subscribers. HBO Max does, so I don't know if they track it with like people who have activated it, people who have signed up for just HBO Max. I don't know. I don't know. But so here's the deal: on. as of December 2016, HBO had an estimated 134 million subscribers in 20 of which they 54 have four million. Yeah, everyone who's got HBO has access to HBO Max. So. I know they have access to HBO Max, but. If you so maybe it was they had four point one addition four point one million addition probably digital only they do not have a TV yeah. contract and that makes sense right. I mean they're transitioning so a sequel to the highly acclaimed series The Nick is in the works from Andre Holland and Barry Jenkins uh, the now I was really excited by this news because I remember I was looking to watch The Nick when HBO Max came out. But it's not even on there, even though when the Nick was on Cinemax, HBO owned Cinemax or Warner owned Cinemax, but it's not on there. Uh, but it was can- the show was canceled because Cinemax wanted to shift their programming entirely to the high octane action drama, you, like semi international co productions. Are you like telling shows like Strike Back? Are you telling me I should put that up on Plex for you? <laughs> the Nick? Yeah. Yeah, I actually would like that very much. No problem. But, no problem. So, I, like, I'd only seen, like, three or four episodes, but I just yeah. remember it being That's very, That's about what I saw. Good. Yep. Um, it's real. It's real. I mean, it's, it's very, very patient. Like, it kind of, like, it uh, sits in scenes, kind of lets scenes develop on their own, but it's not like Netflix where scenes go on forever. Um, so, <laughs> How do you feel about it's that? centered on... <laughs> just, watch the devil all the time. You'll understand what I'm saying. <laughs> But it basically centers it centers on Andre Holland's character, who is like Clive Owen's like uh, apprentice almost in the Nick. And uh, I mean, so I guess Steven Soderbergh, who directed every episode of the Nick, because that was when he was going through his whole "I'm not going to film, I'm not going to release another movie in theaters" phase again. Uh, and then he, he directed um, every episode. And they did, did Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky. Well, he could have yeah. he could have kept it on TV. Um, so, I mean, Logan Lucky was okay. It wasn't as what? good as the review said. But, yes. Uh, Seth MacFarlane? Abomination. Oh. Anyway, go ahead. So, um, <laughs> so the, with Barry Jenkins being attached, I wonder if, like, Barry Jenkins is going to do, like, hey, first season, I'll direct every episode and I'll stay on as, like, executive producer. But the pilot script... Like, it's all the same kind of creative team from the Nick. So, mm-hmm. and it looks like it's just going to go straight to HBO Max, um, uh, which uh, I'm super excited for that. But I love how it's like, it's in the works. It's not a done deal. And I'll come back to that for a later story. I, I think, but, yeah. I think there's, I think that's going to get made because I. The, oh, yeah, the, it is. It, it, it's going to get made and um, I'll, I'll be all over that. Um, I I think that period pieces from that sort of gas lamp era um, obviously appeals to me. Um, I was a huge fan of the The book, The Alienist, less of the TV series. So frankly, if they made 
the alien also like Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Fine, Carnival. Yeah, well, weird, yes, but weirdest, that was weirdest fucking trailer. Yes, but Carnival was more Dust Bowl, you know, Jodes going west yeah, sort of true. stuff. But, but um, you know, while I enjoyed uh, the Alienist, the fact that it was on TNT limited it. And if it was HBO, it, I think it probably would have been better. So the fact that they take this uh, era piece and they're having it on HBO, and if they're just going to build on what they did the first couple of years, um, is Soderbergh attached to, I mean, is this his baby or is someone else? Is it just the material? Like, is he, um, is he attached to this version? Or? He's uh, EP. He's an executive producer, okay. but he's okay. not. He's not going to be writing. He might direct an episode or two, but like he's right. he's EP. I think this is definitely going to be Barry Jenkins and the original writers. Okay. Um, but I I would be surprised if he doesn't direct a couple episodes. But he's not going to do the. Hey, I'm going to do. Going to only do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying that I that'll work for me. I I think that's a good that's a good piece of branded IP that HBO owns i guess if they eventually yeah. put it back on my impression is if they get this landed um you know if this is going to start filming that's when the old versions of the next show up on hbo max is my guess right so. right um so i do want to skip to the um the other two hbo max stories real quick <laughs> uh, we'll come back to the to the boys thing so James Gunn's coming out with the Suicide Squad soft reboot next year, 2021, and John Cena is in it, and he plays this character Peacemaker, which seems to be this like uh, parody. It's Peace. Um, hold on, it's Peacemaker. Maker, not yeah, Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Not not one word. Uh, it's two words, isn't it? Uh, I don't think so. I thought it was actually two words. Oh, hang on. Oh no. Peacemaker HBO. No, it's one word. My bad. The Peacemaker. It, okay. Yeah, which is like in his costume is this super like 40s, 50s inspired type thing. And it's like the funny thing about him is it's like, yeah, he's willing to attain peace no matter what the cost or whatever. So he does these super violent things to attain peace. So that's kind of like the funny thing. There will be so no John violence. Is- if I have to kill everyone, there will be no violence. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So John Cena is playing this character. So the Nick is in the works. Peacemaker, this this character that nobody knows about, that's going to be played by John Cena, gets a straight to series order for HBO Max off of a soft reboot of a film that was critically reviled, and the character wasn't even in that movie. Straight to series. Uh, so 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 what, what is so what is this? So less about this series, like John John Cena. I mean, how is he going to be able to manage coming off of that role in you know Fast Nine to the Peacemaker? I mean, I mean, we're talking back to back awards. I mean, he's obviously going to win an Oscar. For, How's he going to shed that character uh, of Dominic Toretto's oh my brother? God. I mean. I mean, and, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I think it's just going to be such a professional the challenge. The emotional for him. toll, the emotional toll that it's going to take is just is is mind blowing. You, know, you, know, you know, Henry Winkler, <laughs> when he played the Fonz, like, yeah. I, I mean, 
Henry Henry Winkler's ability to shed that image of the Fonz is is nothing compared to what John Cena is going to have to shed coming off of Fast Nine. Yeah. Um, uh, so I just, but I, I don't understand how. And like James Gunn's going to be an EP. It's like okay, I don't know how involved he's really going to be, so, saying that he's going to go straight to Guardians Three after Suicide Squad, but whatever. Um, but they ordered eight episodes described as an action adventure comedy. Uh, so um, are we? Yeah. Are we like? I mean, <laughs> I mean, is this the end? I mean, is you know, this is the end of. Is this the end of the superhero thing? Not that they won't make it, but the idea of superhero movies just carrying it all, um, and and sort of like being. Hey, it's it is the IP that is going to drag everyone to profitability. You know these movie, TV production um, studios. I mean, well, the, the fact I, that the most successful superhero thing going now is this sort of, incre- and this guy is obviously an anti-hero, but it's like the boys is sort of the not superhero superhero movie. And at some point, it's okay. We've got the hottest thing now is the inversion of that thing going, and. Where where do we go at it from here? Are we, you know, is the rag almost been wrung out completely dry? Well, um, I, I and is this know, a sign the, of the dryness of the rag at this point? With the Marvel slate shifting, uh, which we'll get to. Yep. Um, with the Marvel slate shifting like it is, I think that it's going to last a little longer because we're essentially going to go, you know, a year and a half without a Marvel movie. Black Widow's May. It's May, May 2021. Basically now. kicking off summer blockbuster season. Yeah, mm-hmm. summer. Well, hey, Fast 9, April 9th, 2021. <laughs> well, I, I, um, I, I was wrong. Fast 9 clearly kicking off summer blockbuster season. Six to midnight. Six to midnight. <laughs> Fast 9. Um, it's literally like... And the other thing is, like, it's John Cena. He's not The Rock. He isn't. Like, yes, they're making a Black Adam movie with The Rock. You know why you can do that? Because it's The Rock. Right. Like, he makes, dude is franchise Viagra, all right? That's what he is. John Cena is franchise Zoloft right now, okay? So, so how was he? So, he was in the Amy Schumer movie for what it was. He played that role. Um, that's what, that's like, that is why people think he's going to be like this, because his comedic timing. Well, how was he in that? How was he in that? He was really good in trainer. How how was he in the um, blockers movie? I never saw it. Oh, he was actually really good in that. Okay. He he was really, he was, yeah, no, no, no. I forgot about blockers. He was, yeah, I'll give him his props. He was really good in that. So like he could be good in this, but like straight to series, this movie hasn't even come out yet. And this thing is, it's gonna happen. And the other thing is Terrence winter, the guy who did, um, uh, Boardwalk Empire, mm-hmm. who was part of the writing team of The Sopranos. Like, if you look at the the uh, the tree of writers that came from The Sopranos, you know, it's like all these people are doing all these shows. Because mm-hmm. uh, what's because like the guy who did Mad Men like came from The Sopranos. Terrence Winter, he's going to do the series about the Gotham PD off of like the Batman, and it's like we had that right, we had that right. Gotham on right. Fox. Right, this will be better, I'm sure. But it's like we're just doing the same shit. And it's not like we're doing it 40 years later. No, Gotham ended like four years ago or three years ago. So like he's doing that. And it's like, will it be fine? 
maybe, but it's the same stuff. Like Terrence Winter is a really good writer. Like, can he do something original that'd be better? So there's that. So the but piece, it's also is the Peacemaker just, a legit Suicide Squad? Is character? it a DC legit character, or is it has it been created he, for this? Originally owned by Charlton Comics, later acquired by DC Comics. Okay, so um, obviously yes. I don't know if he was ever in. Or was the only referenced to in passing? As yeah, movie. it doesn't say he was in Suicide Squad. It just says he's going to be in the movie. No, so. but it was a character that existed. So this yeah, is like it was a, a character that existed. This is like the Punisher, essentially, right? But like with a lighter touch. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, but so then, adding to WB's issues, in my opinion, these are their issues. So the Snyder Cut was in the news. Because they're spending an additional $70 million. What are they to doing? Add new scene. Hold on. To add new scenes, to add new effects, new music from Junkie XL, to add all that into this, this Snyder Cut Justice League miniseries that's coming to HBO Max next year. So I decided to ask the group chat, some of my buddies in high school, from high school, I decided to ask them, like, are you guys, would you pay for a subscription to HBO Max to see a recut version of Justice League. Now, of the 12 people in this group chat, only about three of them responded. But they all were like, one said, maybe if I'm bored, but probably not. The other one said, I don't even know what that is. And another one said, no. Would, okay, okay. Would they go, if it comes out and it's great, let's say people are like, holy shit, this is the best thing I've, I mean, I mean, superhero, oh my God, if they did this, you'd see five other movies to be get sprung off of this and it's on HBO max. And, and if the, if it's that well received, do they give it a limited release in movie theaters? And then have fun releasing a four hour film in movie. Theaters. Oh, that's shit. That's true. I, I'm just thinking yeah. because I'm trying to justify, is this truly $70 million? They're essentially putting in there to say, We'll put seventy million into this movie because we think it's going to organically grow our subscriber base by twenty million people or some insane number because they're that desperate to see it. I mean, obviously, it's going to bring people in, um, but but how many? Really, you think so? Oh, oh, th- there will be people who will buy it for a month to oh, I, just to watch, yeah, it. yeah, just to watch it, and then and then they will see. You know, this is a little bit of the Milan uh, dynamic of, okay, I'll subscribe. I want to see this movie. I'll pay the whatever. And then how many stick around? In this case, they're not charging additional, but who knows? Maybe they do charge 5 or $10 additional. Um, I doubt it. I don't think they could because HBO Max needs to – I mean, they need to scale that subscriber base. And, you know, if they're, if they're thinking they're going to go head-to-head with Netflix – they have to find a way. Look, come in, pay fifteen bucks, twelve bucks, whatever you got to pay, um, and then you'll see the movie. Hopefully, you'll stick around and see how much great stuff we have. Is seventy million dollars worth that? Um, you know, if it's fifteen dollars a month, and let's say there, from what I understand, on these streaming services, the cost factor, you know, it's not it's not overly expensive to add one incremental viewer. So let's say the cost factor is thirty percent of the uh, is thirty bucks. So if you're pushing, so let's say you push ten bucks per person directly to your bottom line right now. So are you going to add 
7 million, 7 million subscribers. subscribers at least the first month who will just no. hop on and subscribe. And how much of that can you have stick? And that, that has got to be the strategy. $70 million? What the fuck are like, they doing? I saw some article Henry Cavill said, yeah, I'm not shooting any extra scenes. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. so it's like, which is, which is like, well, what, what the Seventy million dollars in effects? What are you doing? Right. What are you doing? Exactly. Well, they're shooting new scenes. They're bringing back people, so they're probably paying them again. But yeah, and they're gonna have to like, over. They got to overpay them, right? Uh, and my kind of thing is like uh, Ben Affleck isn't exactly in the greatest shape right now. Uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'm not talking. Hopefully, he's sober. He's sober. Jesus Christ! Will you stop saying that? God, he's having pro or he had problems. He had a human issue. Jesus. Anyways, but but you just I'm saying just physical gotta, shape. It's not well. It's not like he has abs. Yeah, but you know you're gonna have fat man running around there. Yeah, but I mean um, they're gonna throw him in a suit. I mean they're not asking him to go shirtless and take down a whole bunch of people. I mean, uh, so, but like, but dude, I, dude, I, hold I on, wrote, hold on. I just wrote no, but hold on. They're making this movie. This four hours. There's going to be a shit ton, be, mostly exposition, I think. Series. No, but is it going to be mostly exposition to attach a few things? I, I, I have no. And then they'll add like ten minutes of action to each fight or something. But if they're bringing people back, it's just for them to sit at a table and say, "Well, hang on, we need to think about whatever." And you know, it's just going to be stuff like that. If you can change, <laughs> and I can change, we can all change. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Rocky Four, everybody. Uh, so, but I, I wrote like, you know, I just wrote WB doesn't know how to use their money. They don't know. And this is the thing when AT&T bought Time Warner, which is now called Warner Media, Warner was like 50 billion in debt. And now, or no, it, I think it was more than that. But it was, and now, you know, and now it's like AT&T is trying to unload $150 billion in debt. Well, and it's just like well, it's, you're and, pumping seventy and hold million on. Do you think 18, into Justice League. And it ain't like AT&T is not going into some further debt. They're trying to build out effing 5G all over the country. That that That's exactly. that's not inexpensive. So, so yeah. And I and then I wrote a little note, just Blumhouse is just pissing their pants laughing at them. Because it's just like, what are you doing? You're spending $100 million because they're going to market the shit out of this thing. Spending a hundred million dollars on a movie that lost you a hundred million dollars. I, I, like, I would bet they. I bet they're going to spend easily another thirty million just to market it after it's made. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I'm so saying. So you think seventy plus thirty? Seventy to make and thirty yeah. to market. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, 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 I get what they're trying to do. To think that it's the wrong is, property. To this do is with. going to be the thing to bring in. Ah, okay. Good luck. Good luck with that. I mean, yeah. So that's my whole HBO Max thing is like you have this. Oh, you know, it's in the, the Nick. Bring it back. You know, critically acclaimed series. Eh, it's in the works. It's in the works. Oh, but we're definitely going to be doing this uh, spinoff of this character nobody's heard of with John Cena. And we're going to pump $100 million in a movie that lost us $100 million. So, yeah. Smart, smart business move there. So what's the budget? Go, guys. What's the budget? What's the budget for this Peacemaker thing? It can't be that high. John Cena. Uh, John Cena's got to be. No. John Cena's got to be coming super cheap. Um, I don't. I don't know. It's eight episodes. It'll probably be eight to ten million an episode. Oh, I, they can't be spending that amount of money on that. Okay, we're talking about a, we're talking about a studio that's pumping a hundred million dollars into a movie that lost them a hundred million dollars. 
Nothing is beyond reproach. Yeah, but James Gunn. Okay, but James Gunn made that uh, uh, killer baby Superman boy movie um, for like three million bucks or something. He didn't like make that. that. He wrote it. Well, well, but he wrote it, but it was he did not direct that. No, movie. but it was like dirt cheap, and it's I, yeah, I guess Brightburn. Yeah, yeah, and he wrote it. Uh, whatever. Did he write it? I, I thought he produced it. This I thought it was his baby. He might. I don't know. I don't know, dude. I, I saw it. Right, I, I, I saw it. I thought it's. Oh, yeah. Produced by James Gunn, written by, by his brothers, I guess, Brian and Mark Gunn. I saw it. Six I, to $12 million. I was not a fan. Um, yeah, I heard it wasn't very good. No, nah, it wasn't. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my thing about HBO Max. But moving on, I don't know. Did you have anything else to say? I, I'm, if, I'm just wondering are we seeing. Is this the, is this the end of the superhero movie and everything is going to be just derivative and shit from here on out that is the question uh, and I, I think it's the it might be the end of everybody but marvel they might just hey like hey marvel's got it on lock let them handle it yeah boom because the thing is is that you know what warner brothers was kind of doing with their stable of horror directors you know they brought james wan in to do aquaman aquaman was meh but they brought david sandberg in, david f sandberg to do shazam i like shazam and they need to bring in, if they really, like, stop going to Zack Snyder. You're making pretty good horror films with guys like Lee Whannell. Uh, Lee Whannell was the guy who did Invisible Woman. He did Upgrade. He, he's James Wan's partner. He, he did uh, Saw with James Wan. He did Insidious with James Wan. Like, you have this stable of directors that are pretty capable. You need to use them. Stop going to David Ayer. Stop going to Zack Snyder. Stop. Stop. Stop doing that. You know? Um, <laughs> that's you know. So, but moving on, uh, the boys. Yeah, there's a spinoff in development for the boys following massive season two launch. Uh, premise set in America's only college, exclusively for young adult superheroes that is run by Vault International. Uh, competing for the best contracts in the best cities, part college show, part Hunger Games. Same creative team, Craig Rosenberg, who's a writer and executive producer on The Boys, will be the showrunner and executive producer. I'll let you go. Um, I have some thoughts. I, um, I, I have no faith that this is going to be any good. Same. I, Same. I, I think that I understand The Boys is a great property. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and as violent, as insane The Boys is, it is has nothing on the comic book, and if they turn the boys into, you know, some sort of goofy coming of age CW CW type of show. Yeah, I mean, Party of Five, uh, whatever. I, I guess, I guess, I have no. I'm like, you, you guys are ruining your brand. However, I just. I- we need yeah. we need to make something to connect with the kids, everyone. We gotta connect with the kids, or we create this sort of college movie. You we had a character getting choked by a guy with a with a super dick in the last episode. Have fun watching that one, by the way. Oh, like, this isn't. Bro, I haven't seen. Okay. Anyways, so anyways, <laughs> I I think I. But it's like you want to talk about connecting with the kids. But 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 if this if this is like oh and and every. I mean, are they going to turn this? Are they going to make it as extremely violent? Are they going to tone it down so kids can watch it? And is like every third one going to be a very special episode of 
whatever. No, because... I just think what they're trying to do is like the the Charles Xavier School for Gifted, whatever. And then they're just like, oh, let's make that like a rated R thing. And it's like, guys, like you can't just do the same thing. Like you already have the rated R super like insane show. Like you can't just like do that again. It has to, you have to, you know, I don't know what they're trying to do with the spinoff show, but like Amazon is so hell bent on getting their big four quadrant television property. And I know they spent a billion dollars to get Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, and I look, I love Lord of the Rings, but I'm just I speaking of having zero faith in them being able to execute on that. I hope the hell they do. Oh, I, I think it's going to be good because I, I don't know anybody I, I, that's I, attached to it. That's I, why I think it's going to be good. <laughs> I hope so, but I don't know. The, the irony well, here: they've already done the two things I wanted them to do for Lord of the Rings. Number one. They didn't get a whole bunch of like stars to be in it. Number two, it's going to be like second age stuff. It's going to be stuff like we haven't seen. Yeah. So, yeah, I get it. But but the irony of this is like, who are the boys? They are this sort of um, conglomerate. No, but it's like, well, no, no. The sit bot is this company that it's it's a pharmaceutical company that creates these personalities. I'll call them that they market the shit out of and they're just, they are all brands. Right. right. And, and, and it's this sort of cyn- among other things, but it's a cynical um, commentary on big business, just sort of throwing brands out and, you know, it's, it's not especially good, but whatever we have to do to sort of monetize, however we can monetize our brand, we, we need to do it. And what is Amazon doing? They've got a nice brand with the boys when whatever we need to do to monetize our rights, we're going to do. And it's like, they're just going to fuck it up. I mean, I, I think it, it, listen, it might be good. I have no faith of it being any good because ultimately the, the glue of the boys is all these people that were done wrong by bot are fighting against them. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, Against and the company is completely this amoral, whatever. Fine, there's your story. And now you're going to take, well, here are all the kids that we have in our training academy, and they're just going to go through whatever they need to go through. And they're all going to each fight their own little personal demons. And we're going to spend time with them. And I'm like, well, who cares? What, what's, what's driving the story? Well, what's driving the initial story is the folks that were done wrong that are getting even. That's what's driving it. Right. If it's just the story of the soups, I'm it's good. It's not interesting at all. So whatever. Yeah. They're, they're going to create interpersonal drama. And it's like, I could give it a goddamn, you know. And yeah, no one's going to care. Yeah. Uh, so Lionsgate inked a first look deal with Vertigo Entertainment. Uh, so Lionsgate helped helped produce it. They helped produce Lego Movie. Um, they, they, they got it. Collaboration. They got it. Find... Not Lionsgate, but Vertigo. Vertigo helped right. produce it. They got to find Lionsgate is fighting for. <clears throat> um, you know they want to be relevant, and the only way they're going to be relevant is by getting this first look deal with someone that's done some proven stuff in the past. Well, Lionsgate is moving away from being the YA, the young adult studio. You know, they did Hunger Games, they did Twilight, 
They did Divergent. They did that movie, The Fifth Wave, with Chloe Moretz or whatever. They do, um, they, aren't they attached to every Tyler Perry movie as well? Uh, yeah, they are. I mean, and th- I mean they're profitable, but no, you know, I know. Tyler Perry. You, no, you know no, but but I'm saying there's a brand. I mean, those were consi- They weren't never made a ton of money, but they were consistently profitable movies. And yeah. and like Medea at this point is dead. Um, I think. I think we've seen our last Medea movie. So they gotta get they gotta get some IP that they can hopefully, you know, get some life out of. And Vertigo is Vertigo, right? Vertigo seems to have Vertigo Entertainment. Vertigo seems to has sort of been able to create some decent stuff in the past. So uh yeah, I mean I think this is Lionsgate going the route of Blumhouse a little bit. Um, you, you think it's gonna be low end? Do you think they're gonna go lower end? Well, I mean, Vertigo. They did the Strangers. They did the Grudge. Yeah. Um, you know, they did Blair Witch. They did. Oh crap! They did Abduction. Oh my god. Well, uh, well Blair. I, I. You can't even count Blair Witch. Blair Witch was lightning. I mean, that was like. No, not Blair Witch Project. They did Blair Witch, the movie that came out like four years ago. Oh. That was like okay. the reboot reboot sequel. Um, did that do did anything? That, did that make any money? I mean. It cost like seven million. I think it made like forty. I mean, good enough. Yeah, it made money. It's profitable. Yeah. Um, but I think that's Lionsgate basically just like, look, we just we just got to be profitable. We can't be worried about making these hundred fifty million dollar or distributing these hundred fifty million dollar movies anymore because, you know, we had our time. We made money on Hunger Games. We made money on Twilight. Di- Divergent didn't even finish, which should tell you something. But you know, St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals won a World Series, basically just hitting a bunch of singles. And there you go. And just be successful. Look, just stay in your lane and be successful at that and be consistent. Hello, Blumhouse. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm telling you, somebody needs to make a meme of the Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, and Django. Have you seen that meme of him? Oh, God. How how can you not see it sort of like laughing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if we just make that one. I open up up Reddit, it's everywhere. (laughs) You can't get away from it. Whenever like a two hundred million dollar movie bombs, just have him like he's holding his drink, have him holding the Blumhouse poster, or have the Blumhouse poster like right, and just like just have doing that stupid little laugh, <laughs> just like I'm telling you, I need to make that. And anytime like when Snyder cut completely just like sucks, oh my god, I'm gonna tweet that like thirty days in a row. You can just uh, just look up a meme maker; they're out there. They're yeah, easy I know. To make. I know. Uh, yeah, I I love that meme. <laughs> I love it. It's it's amazing. It's, it's not. It's it's it is on par with the Paul Rudd. Like, hey, hey, hey look at us. Look at us. Yeah, but it's that thing that. that thing is the um the presence of that is getting up there with uh, the girl with the girlfriend turned around looking at some girl walking oh, by. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is yeah. it is right up there with that. <laughs> Insofar as it's a uh, prevalence on these the sort of bulletin board types, if a picture could, could like, you know, you could look at that picture for the first time and you know exactly what that picture is communicating, right? And that's the genius behind it. Right. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, I think it's they're just kind of going with like, hey, low overhead, high profitability, just keep your head down, we're good to go. But, yeah, um, limit downside huge upside potential you could swing and miss on three or four 
But if you find one that hits, it makes up for it makes up for all of that and ten more. So exactly. So uh, and they also Lionsgate also did distribute um, or are distributing John Wick. That was another big one. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, next story is about Netflix. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, and Journey Smollett um, will be in a Netflix film called Spiderhead, directed by Joseph Kaczynski. That was, a, that was based um, on a is, short story from like the New Yorker from a few years back, right? Uh, I guess. Yeah. Again, can't do anything original. Um, <laughs> well, so, the articles. No, wait, wait. Art, a lot of articles from newspapers or magazines are optioned. I mean, fucking Saturday Live was optioned from some little nothing article that was written so was in Newsday or something like that. I mean, that movie tag came from an article. There you go. That. Yep, yep. Uh, that movie was shite. Um, <laughs> just Spiderhead is a pretty dumb name for a movie, first of all. But it's written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who wrote Zombieland and I... Deadpool. The article doesn't mention that they also wrote Life, G.I. Joe Retaliation, and Six Underground. So let's not act like, you know, we're not, we're not dealing with uh, Mankiewicz here. Right? <laughs> So, uh, set in the near future when convicts are offered the chance to volunteer as medical subjects in hopes of shortening their sentences, the focus is on two prisoners who become the test patients for emotion-altering drugs that force the prisoners to grapple with their past in a facility run by a brilliant visionary who supervises the program. So, when I, when I saw this synopsis, this premise, that's where it's like you get the, you know, the writers are up at 2 a.m., you know, they're like, hey, hey, what you know what, dude, what if this happened? All right. Like get, wrap wrap your brain around this, okay? And it's so it's just this this is so perfect for a Netflix movie. Just this this is gonna be so half baked. This is so, so perfect for so, a video. So I read I read somewhere that it's very similar to some movie called Maniac with Jonah Hill and uh, Zombie Lang Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said it's kind of wow. similar. Academy Award-winning actress. I've reduced her to Zombie Land Land movie. Yeah, there you go. Wow. (laughs) Wow. But that uh, little toothy girl from Mystic Pizza? Exactly. Uh, um, Wow. Okay. Zombie Land girl. No, and and they say it's similar. So this this not only doesn't is based on some article. It sounds like it's it's. Already, this is already very Netflix property. It's already very derivative. Of other things, um, yeah. you know, J- Journey Smollett. Uh, her arc as an actress is is interesting because I think wasn't she was she, she in Eve's, was she in Eve's Bayou? Like when she was like super young. That is a movie from the late nineties that had Sam Jackson. Um, um, among others, yeah, that is. she's in it. So, so like that movie was like Roger Ebert's best movie of the year when it came out. It was very highly reviewed. Um, well, you know, Roger Ebert. Yeah, he loves. Ebert. He loves. He loves the folks. He loves the people. Yeah, he it. loves the folks. Yeah, but, he's down with the cause. But 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 if you look at that cast, that cast is like, I mean, that story is interesting. Megan Good is in it too. When she's like fifteen. Uh, when she's like 15 and it's like part of the yeah. story is like she's trying to get down with like her stepfather or father or something. 
But I mean, Jesus. oh well. Well, Brantford Marsalis is in it. There you go. How about that? Uh, but, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, but I'm sure he did not think it was self indulgent bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> but <laughs> but it it is a weird kind of uh, atmospheric movie. Sort of takes place fifties. 60s in uh, New Orleans time, and it's got a pretty it's got a pretty eclectic kind of cast, and and very well reviewed or something like that. And you know, I look at Journey Smollett, and I'm like, damn girl, like the best movie you ever did was like when you were five. And I'm just like, ah, oh. and she what? tried. What? What else is she in? She did Hold that. On. She I did. Mean, she, come she, on. Did, she, she she did some movie with. Um, you didn't uh, like her in Roll Bounce? No, I, I mean, she, she was all right in Roll Bounce. She did some movie where I think she wasn't she some drug addicted. She was in Temptation. Temptation, yes. She was in the Great Debaters, the Master <laughs> Debaters. Um, D- didn't see that. Like I said, that's just rough. You no, you I did not see. see no, I didn't see it. Gave me nightmares for two weeks. Well, so um, why would I want to see it? Okay. Well, I was 10, like, you know. I know. You see know. somebody that looks like you get hung up on a tree and burned, you can, they can scar you a little bit. Oh. She was in um, she was in Gridiron Gang and Birds of Prey. Like uh, I said, when her best movie is when you're, like, five, that's just, yeah. it's like, okay, you're trying. But, but good for her. She's, like, she's like strung out a career, and that's fine. Um, Lovecraft Country right now. People say it's really good. I, you know, I I, it's a show. I know it's not a movie, but I, I, I H P Lovecraft stuff is some of the weirdest stuff. I'm, uh, you know, the the Inzma thing is something that still I just wrap my head around. I don't know what was wrong with that dude back in Inzma. the day. With this, what the hell is Inzma? Okay, so Innsmouth is so the story is this guy. So this takes place like in the twenties or thirties because that was how you, how you spell that I N N S mouth. I N N. Oh, okay. Which is this sort of New England sort of seafaring town? You know, it's on the coast, and there is uh, this guy goes and visits the town, and all these people have this weird sort of wide-eyed just very weird look about them. And everyone in the town essentially are people who turn into these creatures at some juncture and go live in the sea. And um, this gets into his whole, all the, the, the deep ones or whatever. And he goes there and just has these, this walk through this weird town and um, visits all these people. And at the end he finds out he's actually kin to these folks and he finds himself turning into these people. It is just the weirdest shit. And it's written in the 20s. It's written like in the 20s or 30s. So it's got that some sort of archer stilted kind of uh, uh, style of writing. And it, yet it's all weirdly also removed from it. It's sort of just talking about it where you're sort of in the it's a bit of stream of consciousness as well. And it's all very just just weird. H.P. Lovecraft. Man, he was a weird fucker. I mean, he was okay. weird. Okay. I mean, I'm, so, I'm, you know, I don't. I'm not trying to get too analytical in describing him, but right, I mean, exactly. Yeah. So, so then they go and make this. I mean, I, I, I could guess what the premise of Lovecraft, because Lovecraft is horrific type stuff. 
So, you know, I, I got an idea of sort of the vibe they're going well, with. Just remember, the real monsters aren't the monsters, right? That's right. Yes, racism. that's right. Uh, that's right. That's right. Um, so, <laughs> like, it's, uh, I, you know, Joseph Kaczynski, he did Tron. He did uh, Only the Brave, which is supposed to be really good. Or Tron Legacy, sorry. That was going to say, he did Tron back in like 81 or whatever? Yeah, no, no. Okay. He did Tron Legacy. He did uh, Only the Brave and Only the Brave. He did that with Miles Teller. That's supposed to be really good. Haven't seen it. Um, he and uh, he's, he did, it's not going to come out this year, but he did um, Top Gun Maverick. And now I guess he's gonna do this Netflix movie Spiderhead. So I hope they change that title. Um, but I just think it's gonna be. Oh, he did Oblivion. I forgot he did Oblivion. That's supposed um, to be all right. I never saw it, okay. but it's supposed to be okay, right? I mean, it wasn't bad. I think it's it's meh. But the problem is, like, the next sci-fi Tom Cruise movie that came out the following summer was Edge of Tomorrow. Right, it's right, like, right. So basically, I forgot Oblivion. So good, <laughs> right? Yeah. So. Um, I just think it's going to be another half-baked Netflix movie, you know. Yeah, that's just what it's going to be. But uh, yeah, so so did they? Is it already? It has not been filmed yet. No, Someone, Netflix is paying for it. Yep, 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 yep. Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, and Journey Smollett. Do you have any faith in the in this movie? In that Miles Teller's in it. Hey, Miles Teller's a good actor. He's just he he likes himself a lot, <laughs> you know. Uh, he uh, he has a high opinion of himself, and you know, people you know, you should have a good opinion of yourself. That's healthy, but like, I just hope he's not an ass. On uh... <laughs> well, hey, you know, you know, he's getting paid. You know that. Guy oh, because four million dollars for La La Land. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And that's why he wasn't in it. Um. I mean, yeah, like, why shouldn't I? What's wrong with Miles Teller? And besides his attitude, does that? But, but is he now an actor who's a big pain in the ass at this point, and he's not worth it, and therefore it's just going to become a production nightmare? I don't know. Um, does that does that make it? The only time I'm trying to think, like, because it's not an issue. It's certainly not an issue of Hemsworth. I mean, Hemsworth is a team player, obviously. Yeah, I can't um, believe he's going to play four for like another three movies. Um, you know, uh, well, checks. I mean, he's getting checks, paid, but still, checks. but still, you would think he, you know, well, he did. He basically they let him cut it. Well, they, you know, they stopped putting a wig on him and everything. So I know he was a big fan of that. Uh, uh I mean, I don't because the only times I really heard him about being in uh, being a total ass on set was the Fantastic Four movie, but that was, like, crappy for everybody. Like, people right. said Josh Trank was a dick on that on that set, and then supposedly he and Miles Teller were going to fight. Like, they were face-to-face, and they were going to fight at one point. So, um, no, I think it'll be fine. I think, I mean, look, when Chris Hemsworth, Hemsworth is on set, it's like, how, how big of an ass are you really going to be? Well, that's what I'm saying. Chris, so Chris Hemsworth was... Wasn't he recently in a movie, a Netflix movie, some action movie that was like Extra- 80, extraction, like eighty or hundred million dollars, eighty or hundred million dollars, right? Like a big like budget. budget, yeah, yeah. It was, big. it was another semi half, but half baked, like sixty percent Rotten Tomatoes type movie. I I I can't imagine this is much more than that. Yeah, no, 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 no. And I, I mean that in in terms of the whole, he's not going to be an ass because Chris Hemsworth is on set. 
I think that's like a two prong thing. Number one, dude is has higher stature than you do in the business, and he's not, and he's being cooperative or being having a positive attitude on set, showing up on time, doing all. Well, that yeah, stuff. yeah. I mean, Hemsworth but, is a consistent worker. I mean, he yeah. he's hustling. I mean, and I think that's part of that is probably because he was a soap opera guy, and I think it's like when you're in a soap opera and you're working, you got to show up every day. Yep. Yeah, and so and also, Brumman is big dude all right whether he whether or not he can fight i don't know but you know i don't think miles teller is really going to try and step to chris Hemsworth. you know what i'm saying uh, yeah but it, I, no one's seeing this movie for journey smollett i mean this is all this is hemsworth people are seeing it for chris hemsworth yeah exactly. to a lesser extent miles teller and journey right. smollett yeah she's in it <laughs> that's what it is pretty much um, so the last thing i want to get to is uh so a whole bunch of movies got delayed pretty much the entire Marvel slate Black Widow what Steven Spielberg's West Side Story Kenneth Branagh's <clears throat> Wet Dream Death on the Nile um they all got delayed so when so we know Black Widow's May what what do we know about the other ones so okay so Death on the Nile will come out. December 18th, 2020, instead of October 23rd. So that's that's going to go up against, that's going to go up against Dune. That's fine. For now. That is, uh, that is an story. excellent, that is excellent. Um, yeah. Counter, that is counter programming. Counter programming. That is perfect. Yeah. yeah. West Side Story, instead of December 18th, 2020, it will come out December 10th, 2021. Uh, you want to yeah. talk about a movie that has the stink of failure on it. That yeah. is going Spielberg's to West Side Story. That is Plus, going Ansel, to be that's going to suck, suck. Uh, because Ansel it's basically Elgort. already shot, right? Uh, I think so. But Ansel Elgort is, uh, and plus his little controversy that has happened. Um, wait, wait, what was this? He was accused of. Uh, a girl accused him of raping her. Uh, he was 20 and she was 17 when they were dating. Um, and he basically came out and denied it. But you know how the court of public opinion goes nowadays on Twitter. So he uh, filmed this before the accusation came out, right? I believe he filmed most of it, at least before the accusation. Yeah. So, so they're going to let, so that's another reason why they're kicking it, the can down the road because they want to let that die out. Probably. Um, yeah. But um yeah. And it was like <laughs> excuse me. It was like uh it was funny just to see the turn in social media because he posted this picture for charity where he's like he's like in the nude and all these girls were going crazy, like, Oh my god, he's such a good guy, he's giving his money to charity. Supposedly there's other picture that came out of him where like he was wearing shorts and he was obviously going commando and you know you see stuff and girls went crazy again. And then all of a sudden, like three weeks later, this story comes out. This girl accuses him of rape. It's like, you piece of shit. And it's just like, okay. Okay. It's interesting how that uh, takes a turn. So are you surprised? No, but it's just like, you guys were just talking like you guys were just drooling over this guy. So uh, Eternals delayed in November 5th, 2021. Shang-Chi. July 9th, 2021. Um, this movie with Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas got delayed from November to August 13th, 
Can you believe he's dating Anna DeArmas? Can you believe that? Who's Anna DeArmas? She's the girl from Knives Out. Do I need the? Oh, the 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 Latin girl. Yes, and she was in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Anna D E A R M A S. The well, it's the space Armas. The Armas. Yeah, Ben Affleck and her—they're dating, like they're together, and that just blows my mind. Um, it gives me hope. <laughs> so that much. Um, and the Armas is. Yeah. she's thirty-two. Yeah, and Ben Affleck's like forty-seven, forty-eight. What's your point? Uh, I mean, they're dating today. Yeah, but you know what dating means, okay? No, but I mean, it's like... They're not just going out for coffee, all right? Like, no, but but I mean, I, I, I understand that's what's going on, but Ben Affleck is... I don't know. Like, what, what's Ben Affleck going on right now? Like, what's his next project that he's attached to? Uh, I think that one. I mean, I don't know. Uh, which one? But so the King's Man, which is the Kingsman prequel, moved ahead two weeks, February twelfth, twenty twenty one. Uh, you know, Soul, the the uh, the Pixar movie actually didn't move at all. That still has its November release release date, and I think people are afraid that's going to go to Disney Plus. Um, um, so so this is classic. Disney is just going to push everything into this calendar year because they're just going to they're going to. The, the market has given them a pass for this year. And if they lose money, they lose money. I don't think, I don't think they're going to send that to Disney Plus. So uh, also, May, May 28th, the Emma Stone-led origin film, Cruella. And yes, that is Cruella They're making DeVille. an origin film? Yes. Cruella de Vil? Yes. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Wait, wait. Now is that direct to Disney Plus, or is that going to be nope. in the? Th- that is coming out when, in theaters. When when is that coming out? May twenty eighth. Six credited writers on this bitch. Okay, oh I am God. not familiar, so I'm looking at the pictures. Oh. Set in 1970s London, young fashion designer Cruella Deville becomes obsessed with dog skins especially Dalmatians, until she eventually becomes a ruthless and terrifying legend. Oh, my God. Are they going to try and make her, like, misunderstood? It's like she kills dogs. Like... In in the book, Cruella DeVille is, like, a fantastic character because she's even more cartoonishly awful. Um... Something like, hang on, all her food tastes of pepper. She only eats pepper. Um, what the heck? Yeah, hold on. When, uh, when Mr. Daly comments she might find mink cloak too warming for summer's evening, Crow laughs and she never finds anything too warm. She constantly stokes a roaring fire, complains of being cold despite the unbearable heat. The flat, her flat is portrayed as a luxurious version of hell with rooms being made of marble and colored garishly green or purple. You know Forget- who she sounds like? She sounds like Maris from Frasier. Yeah, but you actually don't see her. 
Is he just? Yeah, is, you don't see Maris. I know, but the way they describe Maris, I'm saying Cruella de Vil. But yeah, but she basically only eats all her food, tastes like pepper. She's like this this complete sort of weirdo. Um, I mean, okay. Listen, if they lean into her just turning into like this bastard of a person and they really lean into it, okay, fine. It's a Disney movie. But they're not gonna. So they're gonna sort of soften it up and likely make it so it's not her fault. Um, you know. Well, Mark, Mark Strong is in it. So I'm guessing he's gonna be the, the real bad guy. Really, I see Mark Strong as like being a perfect um, version of like a younger version of one of her henchmen, like one of those two idiots. Well, no, I think that's going to go to Paul Walter Hauser, who's the guy oh, who played, who played um, Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell. Yeah. Well, yeah. but there's two henchmen though. There was like short well, fat guy this and tall other thin guy, guy, Joel Fry. Okay. I think well, he'll be the tall thin guy. Uh, yeah, and Mark Strong as Boris. Plus, Mark Strong always plays a villain, like, all the time. Okay, so... He was a villain in Sherlock Holmes. He was a villain in Kick-Ass. He was a villain in Shazam. He was a villain in Green Lantern. Like, he's always a villain. I thought he was gonna turn villain in Kingsman. Turns out, he was a good guy. (laughs) So, here we go. A live-action film was announced in 2011. 2011. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. She was cast in January of 2016. Uh, they hired Alex Timbers to direct in November of 2016. He left in December 2018 due to scheduled conflicts, and Craig Gillespie came on. Uh, and he direct, directed I, Tanya, And he's a good director. I, Tanya, Lars and the Real Girl, the Fright Night remake. Um, uh, he did Million Dollar Arm. Mm. I have... Hang on. Cruella... So, I have no, um, I have no faith that this is going to be um, good. I've heard, dude. I've heard nothing. It's got six, six credited writers. No, but I've heard six. I've heard nothing about this. Like, I've heard yeah. more about the um, the Jungle Cruise movie, which they really trying to turn that sucker into like. Um, they're trying to yeah. turn Jungle Cruise into like friggin' Pirates of the Caribbean. By the Pirates way, by wing. By the way, just like this next huge um, IP. You know, with this seventy mil, I read some articles that the seventy million getting put into Justice League. That yeah. movie cost is going to be three hundred and fifty million dollars all in when it's done. It's three. already more than that. Oh, that well, if it's just seventy, I mean. No, the initial budget was three hundred million. Why did you just look up Justice League? No, no, th- I just read an article that said that. So, oh, uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at the prices, the budgets for Pirates of the Caribbean. Supposedly, Pirates of the Caribbean four after tax breaks was still like three seventy eight, but that made a billion dollars, like. That movie, don't get me wrong, didn't make a huge profit. It probably only made like just under a hundred million dollars in profit. But Justice League didn't. Justice League made like six hundred fifty million. You know, people. You can talk about Pirates of the Caribbean all you want in terms of like, yeah, they're putting, they're sinking so much money in this thing. But it's like Pirates of the Caribbean came through. You know, like Pirates of the Caribbean made money. Uh, 
And they stopped after the fifth one because it didn't make as much money. Like I think the fifth one made like seven sixty, um, and it didn't do that great domestically. And now they're gonna reboot it with Margot Robbie. Um, so yeah, it, uh, so Emma. So they're saying Corella is gonna have a punk, early eighties English punk vibe to it. Yeah, but like it's whatever you know it's disney thing, right it's I disney mean, yeah right. like, this is not going to be sid vicious shooting up yeah whatever you on know, screen you're gonna play the sex pistols or something no <laughs> the clash or whatever whatever yeah <laughs> uh, they'll play like one song they'll play should i stay or should i go They're... and and like and that's like it and it's like oh see how edgy disney is it's like what have you seen this picture have you seen this picture of her on set? Her on set holding three dogs with Richard Jewell and this other skinny guy. Hold on, let me see. Oh, God. And he's on some moped. Oh, my God. What you see the it? hell? You see it? Yeah, I see it. I mean, I see the vibe they're going for. But, dude, I've heard nothing about... I mean, it's there. But, I mean, the fact that I've heard nothing about this... Yeah, this is this is but the thing. The thing that like gets me is like, you know, Emma Stone was like into this. Of course, know? you know this. Like, this is why this movie got made was because you know. Wait, wait. So hold on. January sixth, twenty sixteen is when this movie is when she signs on. Right. So what was Emma Stone doing around that time? She just got finished filming La La Land. I'm sure Disney saw an early cut of that and was like, oh shit, she's going to be huge. You know? Really? going to be big. Uh, yeah. Wait, no, wait, no, 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 no. Did she just come up? She just came off come of Aloha? She came off. She could. No. Oh, Jesus. That's right. She came <laughs> off of Birdman. She came off of Birdman, though. Birdman was really good, but I'm, I bet you they saw an early cut of La La Land because La La Land finished filming in like. September of 2015. I bet you they saw an early cut of that and was like, "We got to, we, we got to get her. We got to get her on something." And I'm sure they asked her what she wanted to do, and she said something like, "Well, I really liked Corella Deville as a kid," and they're like, "Yep, yeah, do it, do it." But I don't know if we can make it. Nope, just do it. And then it got- this is this this cast. Corella Deville as a character as described in the original novel, but especially the movie when it came out, is such a time and place character. It is like, she is like a Lauren Bacall, Nora Desmond, ramped up to the nth degree, just terrible, sort of cartoonish, cartoonishly awful, whack job person. And like Martin Short's, uh, Catherine Hepburn, Kate Nally. We, well, yeah, no, but I yeah. mean, but but I mean, if you really watch the original cartoon and you just see she she steamrolls, yeah, it's like the character steamrolls her way in through everything and is it's is like wonderful in Emperor's New Groove. Yes, like, but, ratcheted up. Yes, ra- but yeah, way more ratcheted up because yeah. because she's ultimately just this horrendous, terrible person. Yzma is like kind of always put upon by idiots. And so there's a level yeah. of sympathy because that goes on. But Corella DeVille is like this sort of horrendous force of nature with zero redeeming values out of it. 
And the idea that you're going to create a live action movie of that level of over the top and for the kids, uh, I just, yeah, you, exactly. know, you know, Glenn Close like, kind of, I guess, did that. But then to take the young version of that, I'm like, okay. But, but this would be awful, though, and I see it happening because Mark Strong's in it, and he's obviously the influence. And Emma Stone is just this young, fresh-faced, redhead, freckled girl at the beginning. And then her arc happens, and by the end, she is what we see here, um, you know, half red, half black. I think black. With Maleficent and, you know, Charlotte Copley's character, like Charlotte Copley's character, this man did her wrong, and that's yeah. why she is the way she is. Like, take fucking ownership of your choices, all right? Jesus. Well, you, um, can't, you can't ask Disney to. Oh, I'm not that sort of you, to, you. But a script is never going to, you know, have you know, if if someone is if someone is bad or evil. It is certainly not. They because, have a penis. No, no, no. But if someone is bad or evil, it is certainly not because they were inherently bad or evil. They were made that way by someone else. It's it's never possible that a person is actually just just an awful person from the beginning. Yeah. And and they are who they are. They're bags of shit. You know, they're terrible people. And that's what's Own great it. about the thick of it. Own it. Yes. Yes. Because they're all just bad. And the good people are the ones that don't last. Or, you know. Or, well, they even, I was going to say The Office, too, except at the end, Ricky Gervais, like, got, he, he was, he did something noble at the very end. But you're right. I mean, awful yeah. people, awful people are who they are. And leave it at that. But they can't. They can't. It's Disney. It's Disney. You know? I mean, hey, Disney, you saw what happened in Atlantis when uh, Rourke gets all gets all frozen up with the crystal and everything. No, the people, they, they used to meet their demises in Disney, but now it's, you know, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what happened. But, 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 but in I, Mulan, I... the Mulan remake is the perfect case study for that. It's like... You put a brand new villain, a brand new female villain in there just to basically say she was manipulated by a man. And it's like, what, like, and, and again, this isn't like me hating because it's a woman. It's just so unnecessary. So, okay. So, so, so let's predict how this movie ends. This movie ends. She has gone through her, tr- I'll call it her transformation. Okay. Into this person. She's got you want t- me to say it, or are you going to say it? Her two, her, no, no, no. By the end of this, Corella Deville is going to be this amazing anti-hero, and it's going to be these these damn Dalmatians deserve it. They need to be made. No, that's they not need to be made into coats. Go ahead. What, what's it going to be? Oh, you're saying that's what her mindset is going to be. That's not gonna no, be, no, that's oh gonna no, be. no. But trust me, it's going to be not only is she bad, it's an awesome bad, and everyone should respect her. For, for where she is. Realizing they, herself as a... Right, and, right. And therefore, because she is realizing, she, you know, she has found herself fully in this new evolved persona. And because she has done that, and because she has now evolved, there is justice with everything that she does going forward. So she should, she will be blameless. They're going to they're gonna try everything. and make it into Wicked. That's what they're going to try and do. Is that... She was trying to help, or she was trying to do something, 
but the powers that be at like the London Gazette or something are like, <laughs> oh, criminal mastermind, Corella Deville. Is she really a terrorist or whatever? Like, that bullshit. <laughs> you know, they're going to do that. And then at the end, there's just going to be this kind of thing of, look, if this is what they think of me, that's what I'm going to be uh, or whatever. And she's really not going to kill dogs. But like what they're going to happen is like she, what ha- what's going to happen is she like, you know, she grooms her dogs and they're going to find this. Uh, they're going to find this hair on the ground and she's going to like cut herself on one of the shears. They're going to find this blood on the ground near the hair. And they're going to be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's murdering dogs, right? And they're going to take the pictures with the big old light on the cameras and everything. Oh, wait. This is the 70s. I'm thinking it's like 1920. No. But, like, <laughs> but, yeah. And that's what oh, the male mastermind. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, listen, hey, I say. Like, it's going to be that. It's not going to be like that. But I'm telling you, it's going to be, like, wicked. And then she's going to kind of go underground, maybe fake her own death at the end. She's going to, I don't know if she's going to have a love interest like at the end of Wicked, but that's what's going to happen. And then she's going to have this persona and then it's going to be all about, well, she's confident in herself because she knows who she truly is and people are going to like, going to get Cruella DeVille dolls and everything. So hold on. Gonna so, be, so hold they're going to be like, they're going to be bad bitch uh, uh, shirts, but like, like <laughs> a dog. it's going to be like a dog thing. It's going to be like a dog thing with Dalmatians. And, like, that's going to be Disney's little workaround of, like, yeah, they can say bitch because they're actually referring to a dog. And women are going to own the word bitch again, all because of Cruella DeVille. So, so at the very go. end, during the credits, she's going to have a bunch of Dalmatians with her because those are it. And then all of a sudden, at the very end, she's going to see some pattern or some outfit or something like that that was, like, spotted black and white. And you just see her head tilt to one side. She puts, you know, her index finger up against her cheek she's holding her thing in one hand she just goes hmm and then it ends it cuts oh my. <laughs> and, and that's the end and then Nick Fury is going to walk in and say I want you to join the Avengers in this <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's that's, the greatest uh, crossover in history yeah exactly <laughs> you know Oh my god! And then she's gonna—they're gonna Photoshop her into the big female fight scene in Avengers Endgame, uh, because that's what the internet wants. And, and uh, <laughs> so come blasting through a portal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. With her pack, exactly. with her pack of Dalmatians behind her. Yeah, you know. Uh, and then she's gonna kick her like stiletto heel into one of the one of the monsters or something. Yeah, you know. It's uh, and that's what it's gonna be. Like that's that is what. That's that's what Disney thinks people want. So. Uh... <laughs> well, well, here's here's the deal though, the fact that, you know, I listen to enough podcasts, the fact that this has not even been hinted at being mentioned. Right. I'm just like, yeah, they're just gonna slide this sucker out. So this is out when in the summer. May 28th. Like, this is, like, prime real estate. <laughs> well. Like, this be. isn't, like, August. This isn't, like, January or February. This is May. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so, so let's talk about this. Of the remakes, the live-action mm-hmm. remakes, and I'll talk about yeah. The Lion King, because that shit wasn't live. It was all cartoon. They're all computer-generated. Yeah. What, what's the best and what's the worst of the live-action? Yeah. Oh, the best is Jungle Book. Easy. Okay, but th- that's barely live, but okay. 
Um, there's a there's a live person in it. It's live. So, so yeah. what's the worst one that came out? What's the worst one that was done? Um. Oh. Uh. Probably Alice through the Looking Glass. Yeah, and the, and and do you count like the Glenn Close Hundred One Dalmatians? I don't know no, if you do. No, no, no. Don't count the ones that started with Alice in Wonderland. So you have you have Alice in Wonderland. You have here we go. Uh, uh, the Jungle Jumbo. Book. The Jungle Book. You could argue 101, 102 Dalmatians, Alice in Wonderland, Maleficent, Cinderella, Jungle Book, Alice in Looking Glass, Beauty and the Beast. They say Christopher Robin's a remake. It's not, but Dumbo, Aladdin, The Lion King. Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. And then Lady and the Tramp and Mulan. Upcoming is The Little Mermaid, Cruella, an untitled Jungle Book sequel. What the? Why? Peter Pan and Wendy. Snow White and they're making Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And uh, Mark, they're making Snow White? Okay. Pinocchio. They're doing everything. An untitled Aladdin sequel. Hunchback in her name, Rose Red, Bambi, Bambi and Hercules. I can go the distance. Yeah, shut up. And then they're going to uh, do Sword in the Stone, Robin Hood with foxes? Sword in the Stone? Robin yeah. Hood. Robin Hood. Yeah. So hold on. Yeah. They're going to remake the animated Robin Hood. Now, how many times was Robin Hood before Disney did their spin on it done? Like 20? Like Errol Flynn. Robin Hood, Robin Hood, Man in Tights, uh, uh, Robin Ke- the Hood. Kevin Costner, Kevin Robin Hood, who loses his accent about 20 minutes yeah. through it, right? Russell Crowe. Karen Edgerton. So they're going to make Robin Hood. Hey, that's Ooh. Robin Hood. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. The movie. Uh, no, but I mean, sorry, they I made Robin Hood in 1973. Out. Robin Hood was a fox. And... You know, Little John was Phil Harris pant playing Baloo again, but just as Little John. So are they going to make Robin Hood, the live-action Robin Hood, is going to be, be a, a live-action fox? And I'm like, there you go. what the, what? And then they're going to make the, they're going to make part that. Of the over, it's going to be part of the over-the-hedge uh, cinematic universe. Oh, and then Lilo... Lilo and Stitch. So the worst of the budget, the, the most, the worst one budget-wise, let's see, Maleficent made four ninety one on a budget of one eighty five. Mulan, they have it $61 million on 200 Yep. Um, Lion King thumped it. Uh, yeah, this, Lion King killed. Uh, Dumbo doubled its budget worldwide. Still probably lost. Alice through the Looking Glass. 300 on 170. Alice, yeah, Alice lost money. I, I worked at the movie theater when that thing came out. No one saw that movie. And the Jungle Book. Oh, they remade, they did do the live action Jungle Book in 1994 on $30 million budget. Yeah, yeah. so. I'm talking about the 2016 one. I don't see, I don't see Corella. I mean, domestically, Christopher Robin made $100 million. I don't see Corel make a hundred million dollars. I mean, I think they're hard pressed to pull in sixty to seventy. Who's who's one to one? Here's the deal: unless they lean all the way in and really lean in hard, which they, which they can't do because it's Disney, and they just make her like a complete monster, and you I'm see her being you, Dad, bad. They're they're going the wicked route. I'm I'm telling you, 
I'm telling you, you know, they're probably just mad they can't do Defying Gravity, you know. Yeah, but there's there's a part of me that I would like to follow my dad's lead of, you know, when, when you he sees, imagine? yeah, when he sees someone, I want to see someone do something bad. I want to see him bad. So it's up to him. It's yeah. like, oh, you're gonna make no, Carl Deville dad. bad? I want to see her eating dad. dogs, live dogs, to, yeah. ripping their yeah, hearts yeah, out yeah. and eating it while they're yeah. beaten. That's what I want to see. And it's like, yeah, that's right. We're all gonna go see The Exorcist with Corella Deville. It'll make half a billion dollars domestically. Todd, just with dogs. That's that's like that's it. <laughs> yeah, come well, in just which the, he opens a she opens like, like a dog grooming thing razor across the throat and, of a Dalmatian. And she's oh, selling it to me, injected into my veins. <laughs> but she's got a bait. She's got she's got yeah a, exactly, exactly. She's got a bakery in the back that she's selling dog pies and stuff exactly. out of. It's just it's that's the uh, way to do it, Disney. Anyway. Just release it under the no, release it under um twentieth yeah, studios. There's a reason you got it. Put your little put your you know what DC did with Joker, you can do this with Cruella, just really release it under a different banner. And there you go. You know? That's what you gotta do. Yeah, there yeah, there you it's go. Or you know, do it's they a still touch own Max? Oh, okay. You know, no, it, you know, no. Gets for all the Emma Stone wins another award. I'll allow Joaquin Phoenix uh, subversive take on Cruella Deville. It's so nuanced. It's so nuanced. Yeah, but see, yeah, but I mean, if they lean in, I mean, oh, if you yeah, really no, lean like, into the punching, like, you could there really is a, do that. I mean, there is you know, an amazing movie. I mean, there's in there, multiple really ways. Just like, yeah, we're gonna go balls to the wall with this thing. You know, you get Mel Gibson directing this bitch. There you go. I mean, it just you whoa. You like do a do a line before you watch that movie. <laughs> Some crazy stuff could happen. Um, but yeah, that's all I'm saying. I think we just got too excited about the perspective. The prospect of a rated R, just like adrenaline, get the guys you made crank to electric boogaloo in there. You know, just get all these adrenaline junkies to make that movie. I, d- I, um, oh, yeah, yeah I know. This, I this know. is not going to be the Sex Pistols, though. I just, you know, phenomenal. I'm gonna be. It could be great, and I'm gonna be disappointed that it's not the movie that we just talked. About. So, so speaking of, if speaking of a great movie about that that era, um, Sid and Nancy, where um, Gary Oldman plays Sid Vicious, came out. It got it came out 25 years ago. Gary Oldman is amazing. In that movie, he is he is Sid Vicious in that movie, and it is, it is, it's a fantastic performance by him. It is, it is a great great movie, and I'm not a huge fan of Wait, uh, that. Is it musical, musical genre, like a jukebox but it is musical, a or is it musical like... time and space or time and place? Okay. No, 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 no. It's not a musical movie. It is. Uh, but you no, know, it sort of follows. It doesn't follow his life, but it sort of follows him as a teenager, and then sort of the his life in the Sex Pistols and what goes on. But Nancy Spungen was his girlfriend, and 
You know, it talks about yeah. that relationship between the two of them. And they were both essentially just junkies. But, but I mean, he mm-hmm. is, he is, I mean, Gary Oldman's always been great. He is great. And I mean, he is Sid Vicious. In the, I mean, it is difficult to, you watch this movie, if you did not like have a ton of familiarity with Sid Vicious um, and you were like, okay, this is my first exposure to, him and the Sex Pistols, you're just like, okay, yeah, well, this is him. This is this is him. I mean, he is. He becomes the character without qu- any question in your right. mind. He is him. Uh, I mean, which is so I don't know if you knew this, great, but you know, Borat too is so. is like happening. Yeah, it's called Borat gift of pornographic monkey to Vice Premier Mikhail Pence to make benefit recently diminished nation of Kazakhstan. <laughs> So how, when does this movie come out relative to the election? I have no clue. I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's anything really known. I mean, other than people that have seen it being filmed, I don't, I don't, I have I, no, I, have no I, I don't know. I, I thought Borat was great when it came out. And, and obviously the Ali G show with those characters, when it hit, you know, a few years. Bruno before. was okay. Bruno yeah, was, but but Bruno has moments that are great, but like as a film, it's not very good. Dictator was not very good. I I'm I wonder if are we beyond? Did did that movie's time and place come in 2007 or 2008, whenever it came out, 2006. and 2006? So did that like come and go and um. Is 2020 is Borat sort of for because 2020? Because things are so ridiculous in 2020, it's not, you know, it's not that. Yeah, yeah. Like, is it going to suffer? Why Veep wasn't super? Like the last season and a half of Veep wasn't super, like. Yeah, because reality, truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like reality became so. It became the political scene and reality became so crazy. It's like. Yeah, Veep, you're not really pushing the envelope anymore. And it's not your fault. It's just how things are working. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, but I think if there's one guy that is going to get oh, sure. crazier who did, than who, reality. Who does not care, it's yes. gonna be, yeah, yeah, it's going to be him. Yeah. Uh, I do one quick thing back to the Enola Holmes thing and Henry Cavill. Uh, bring, doing, it, bring it all the way back. Yeah, not doing uh, the Justice League reshoots. It's like... Man, like how how lost do you have to be as a studio or as a, you know, making that film where the guy you crown to like start your universe as Superman, okay? The guy that you put ahead is basically like, no, I'm rather, I'm going to do this Netflix movie and I'm going to film season two of The Witcher because I don't want to do that. Like, I'm not going to make time to do that. I'm good. Like, I just... Wow. I, I think that says a lot. But you got to think there's so much footage that's been shot, though, that they can make something of. I mean... Oh, I'm sure. But it's not... I'm not saying... It's not about that. I'm just saying, like, for that... And Henry Cavill isn't this, like, he's not... You know, he's not Tom Hanks, right? Like, he's not this major, major guy. But he is the guy you chose to be Superman... Who has right. been in three movies? Right, three, four, three movies, and he's just like, nah, I'm cool. I'm just let me go do The Witcher season two, and I, I'm good. 
He's done. He's done. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I just think that's a that's telling. But do you have anything anything else? That, that um, I, I think that speaks to he's not too hot to work with Zack Snyder again. I, I bet you I would be willing to bet that it's at least ten years before they likely work again, if ever. And uh, no, oh, supposedly though, Henry Cavill, I think he was in Rome, which which was one of the first sort of uh, um, big budget series that HBO did, like probably oh, 20, yeah. twenty years ago. He was um, in the Tudors. But I understand that well, maybe it's the Tudors. Wasn't he in Rome? He might not have been in Rome. It's probably the Tudors. Uh, well, I, I hear I that. hear Rome is great, like fantastic, because it's actually right on the money with the history, and it's classic HBO where they want to sex it up, and there's a ton of violence and stuff like stuff like that. So I don't I don't think he was in Rome. He was he's in the Tudors. Then I'm confusing it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I have nothing else. Well, I think, you know, look, if anybody wants to, if anybody's going to listen to this episode, that Cruella DeVille talk, I think that that is a killer app of the episode right there. Because um, <laughs> uh, I know I'm going to listen to that later. And when I hear myself going, yeah, 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 it's like, yeah, you're a psycho. Um, but if you like the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. You, or hey, Tweet us, send a message if you want to get a listener question in. Uh, on Instagram, it's at the.all.around or on Twitter at the underscore all underscore around. The all around. Uh, tell your friends, spread the word. Thank um, you. Thank you, listeners. And especially thank you, listener from Ireland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big shout out. Big shout out to Ireland and Germany. That'd be crazy if we actually got a listener base like there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to watch the rest of this Miami Boston game. See what happens. How are we doing? What's, what's going on with that game, by the way? Miami's up 82, 74, 419 left in the third quarter. I think Iguodala just hit a three. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So yeah. But, well, enjoy that. I will see the boys. I'll try and catch that uh, current issue. Now that you told me some, you know, some dude gets strangled by someone's dick. Appreciate that. Oh, trust me, that doesn't do it justice. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait. What was dude's name? That's all I want to know. Who got strangled? No, the the strangler. You don't know. Trust me. Oh, like, you don't know. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I I couldn't. It, Dad, it happened so fast. Okay. Okay. I'll check it out. All right. <laughs>